This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening, I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. I was talking with Odie and Bex before the show, and it occurred to me with how bright it is outside, a beautiful Seattle day. The show, live at least, is becoming more like a daydream. So we're drifting into a daydream here this evening on Night Drift. And we're broadcasting tonight from the studio of The Mothership, Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW in Seattle, and streaming worldwide at nightdrift.com. And tonight, my friend and yours, Bex Atwood, Night Drift's own liminal reporter, is joining me as co-host for the program. And it's an opportunity for Bex to interview a a very special guest, someone whose story, or parts of their story, we've heard right here on this program. One of them is the foundational dogman story of the KPN. It's the one that kicked off episodes and episodes of us digging into this series of anomalous events with dogmen. I'm fascinated by it. I'm scared by it. I'm intrigued by it. There's something so deeply, deeply carnal about the idea of a dogman and our relationship to that, to that shadow that could be out in the woods somewhere right behind that tree line. So that's tonight with Bex. Bex, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm living the dream, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you're here. We're day drifting is what we're doing. Daydream drifting? Heads in the clouds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so tonight, of course, uh, we're going to throw to a break here in a minute. But first of all, just to set this up, you're gonna, who, who are you going to be talking to tonight and, and what about? Yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking to someone named Kate, and they grew up right near the Key Peninsula in Gig Harbor, Washington. Um, They spent the first uh, 23 years of their lives there. Um, And they have seemingly always been intertwined with the supernatural. Um, She's also a practicing witch and a full-time travel photographer. Oh, wow. So a very similar background to my own. Yeah, Uh, right. Very excited for this little photographer paranormal summit we're going to have tonight. Yeah, right. I think those things are... Uh, it's not by coincidence that uh, people that are photographers, people that are artists, are really linked to, I don't know, linked closer to this phenomenon in some weird way. Do you think there's anything to that? Attention to detail. Oh, Always yeah. observing. Right. Details, shadows, silhouettes. Dodge and burn. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> all right, tonight that is going to be what we're talking about as well in uh, the later half of the program additional reports from the Pacific Northwest 
thank you everyone from outside of the Pacific Northwest listening probably to this as a podcast that are still just as interested in following along on what this phenomenon is uh, here and how it affects this place, even though you're probably in London, England, or maybe in Rhode Island. Um, Maybe you're in the Hudson River Valley, where I will be this week. I'm going to be in New York all next week working on a very special Euphemet program. We're uh, going to be out there, and it's going to be a little bit of a lab. Tim Rothschild is going to be with me. Andrew Jewell from Strange Days is going to be with me. We're going to be talking to people that maybe you've been familiar with via the Euphemet podcast before or Night Drift and people that are going to be brand new to you and a space uh, that holds many secrets and has a lot of history. And I cannot wait to share with you what that's going to be and uh, take you along for the ride. So if you haven't already, subscribe or I guess follow um, me at It's Jim Perry across social media and at Euphemet. And uh, yeah, come come along the journey. I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to try to track some of that stuff, I suppose, when I can. But I'm bad at it. Like Bex knows, I already, I was on TikTok for a day and that was it. <laughs> you just gave up? Yeah. You got to just give up sometimes on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to be right back here on Daydreaming into Night Drift. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. Here I am again, and of course, as always, a big thank you to our sponsors, AMC Network, Shudder, and BetterHelp, and our patrons over at patreon.com slash euphemet. Thank you for making this show possible. And, and thank you for listening right now, whether it's live or whether it's on the podcast feed. Really appreciate you. Tonight's a really special show because my friend Bex is joining me as co-host and she has this great interview with someone named Kate based here in the Pacific Northwest that has experienced anomalous events. It's a series of events that are happening here and around the peninsula and around the sound that confound us and, and, and encourage people like Bex and myself to look even deeper and for me myself, look into the personal nature of what these stories and this phenomenon represents to us as people. So Bex, uh, if you'd like, go ahead and take over. I'm taking over now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so yeah, we I heard from Kate. Oh man, it's been a while now. I would say at least at least last fall, if I can remember correctly, but she reached out after one of the shows and said she has a lifetime of experience with paranormal events. Um, and that's something that I can sympathize with. <laughs> so Yeah, it's true. I um, started hearing her stories and, oh my goodness, everything from UFOs, our favorite dogman, 
and even some good old-fashioned dead humans lurking in her house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so we're going to talk to her about that and hear it straight from her mouth. And that is going to be so extraordinary. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, without further ado, uh, Kate, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us at Night Drift. Hello, I'm doing good. Thanks so for having me. I'm very excited to talk about this stuff. It's my favorite. (laughs) So excited that you were able to join us. Thank you so much for being into it. You're very well, of course. Like I said, it's my favorite topic. I wasn't scared to talk about it as a child. I didn't care who thought I was weird. I would tell anyone and everyone who listened. Sure. So I think to get started, tell us a little bit about you know, living in Greek Harbor as a child, this really mysterious, foggy island uh, peninsula right next to some islands, um, Yeah, you know, six yeah. months of rain. What's that like? <laughs> well, really depressing. <laughs> That's why when I at first I wanted to move out, of course, when I was in high school, I was like, I need to get away from the rain. But now I have lived away from it, but there's just something magical about this area and the darkness of it and the gray. So I've learned to embrace it and love it. Um, so growing up, I grew up in Gig Harbor. I grew on like the outskirts of Gig Harbor along Crescent Valley. So it's more farmland out there. Um, my parents uh, bought a piece of land and the land used to be in the 80s and the land used to be um, an old dairy and holly farm from the 1920s. Um, and they actually did find old like glass milk bottles on the property and we would put them in our windowsills um, and whatnot. So starting off when I was pretty young, my mom said I came up to her and at the time it was just me and her living in the house with a few animals. Um, but she said I was about four or five and I came up to her and told her, that I saw a man in the walk or in the rocking chair. Hmm. And she said, she just kind of looked at me and was like, okay, okay. She's like, she didn't want to worry me at all. Right. And then ever since that point, it just get, started getting more and more active. And I started becoming more and more aware of it. Um, the biggest memories I have are when I was, I went to a private school Um, from first to sixth grade so I grew up kind of religious and when I would really was in tune to this starting happening I was about seven or eight and at first I would hear my name being called in the house in different voices um, a man a woman an old lady uh, my mom you know disguise itself and I would yell out to my mom like did you need something? And she's like, what? And I was like, you just called my name. She's like, no, I didn't. It must be the angels talking to you. I was like, okay. Um, And then accompanying those, I would see white flashes on the wall, like out of the corner of my eye and just not think much about it. I'm a kid, you know, I'm just like, whatever, just weird. Um, And then not long after that, those events, there was one morning I woke up and our house is a one-story farmhouse. So it's nice and long and open. So you can see pretty much when I walk out of my bedroom and turn right, I can see right down our living room, kitchen, into the family room. So it's all open and big. Um, So one morning I was walking out and I was walking down my hallway and I looked into the living room and I saw again in the rocking chair, this man stepped out of the rocking chair He looked like Bing Crosby a little bit, dressed all in white in a white suit, had a nice like hat fedora, and he tipped it at me, and then he walked right back into the rocking chair. And I just remember looking around and said, okay, I'm going to go eat my cereal now. Like, that was weird. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So then not long after that, the same routine happened. It was early in the morning. I was walking out into the kitchen, and our living or our family room which is the big room at the end was only lit by the kitchen light um so it was pretty dark outside still i think it was winter time and i just see these i get this feeling to look in the family room and i just see these red eyes staring at me oh, geez. Mm-hmm. and i see this shadow figure 
demonic is what I can explain is the only way I can explain it about eight feet tall plus spikes running up and down its back it was kind of hunched with its hands up towards its uh, chest with these claws and like saliva just dripping out of its mouth and I just stood there looking at it and that and a white flash went by like I've been seeing earlier and it was gone and I just had this sense of relief Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went to school and told everyone in second grade all about it. And then my teacher put in to pray for me. So that was good. Do, do you feel that, uh, you know, where you were at at the time, you know, going to school where, you know, you were going every day and, and also practicing a religion, do you feel like mm-hmm. that, in, that, that directly informed what your experience was? It might have, I've thought of that before, um, because it definitely could have. There's a lot of different like situations when I was young that could have stirred all this up and could have definitely manifested something in my mind um, to come up with that. Well, I guess. yeah, or... not as in um, uh, coming up with. I suppose uh, you know when Bex and I talk about this kind of stuff, it's almost mm-hmm. as if there's a relationship between sort of what we're taking in and then how mm-hmm. the phenomenon like sort of appears. Mm-hmm to us yeah, in, in ways yeah. that we okay, can understand that's... yeah and and but but the general sense for you in in that situation was that whatever this is it feels dark mm-hmm. yeah you know, it feels yeah. It, it so i mean how did you go on after experiencing something you know sort of so negative in nature i honestly just kind of rolled it off my back because just things kind of just kept happening after that it was just one thing after another all of a sudden all these wow. other entities started entering the picture like we'd have this shadow figure that would walk down the driveway and go to the door we would think someone was at the door then look and no one was there then we'd have oh my gosh um i saw there would be a little girl standing in our the middle of the kitchen or you hear giggling or i'd have to be in bed before 2 a.m or there'd be knocking on the walls and running footsteps up and down the hallway i was always terrified as a child to well, i guess so it did affect i was always terrified as a child to um leave my bedroom to go to the bathroom, which was right across the hallway. And I would just book it. I remember. And as a child, I remember I wouldn't even sometimes go to the bathroom because I was so terrified oh my God. of right. what was down the hallway. Cause it was just that dark, long hallway mm-hmm. and it just like space. Just space. Yeah. 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 And then with all this stuff happening, it was just kind of like, I don't know what's going to come out and grab me. And then my dreams also coincided with, with the happenings as well like they would visit me in my dreams and communicate with that so it was just never ending right and my my thought that keeps coming back every time we get a chance to talk every time Mm -hmm. you share another story it makes me think what is going on out in gig harbor i mean you said it yourself it's farmland (laughs) there's nothing out there (laughs) so something that um happened when i was about 10 years old so my house was also located near woods um, and there was no houses or anything. It just went straight back. And me and my neighborhood uh, friends would go run back there, you know, play, whatever. So one afternoon, me and one of my neighborhood friends were running back there with her dog. Her dog veered off the trail. So we decided to go follow him. And we stumbled upon a junk, quote unquote, junkyard of stuff from the 1920s, 1900s like old leather shoes, uh, bottles, medicine bottles, beer bottles, um, a wedding dress, old newspapers, uh, like glass dishware. It was insane. And we would go out there with wheelbarrows and bring back stuff. And I would display them in the house and like clean them off and just like had a feeling they needed to be displayed. Wow, your own little spooky museum of sorts. Yeah, and I tried doing research on the property because I did have a dream of a boy coming to me and then going into, he like fell into ash. So I thought there was a fire on the property or something. Mm-hmm. And some people maybe passed away, but I looked on the history and I can't find anything um, stating anything about deaths or a fire, but I'm intrigued with that, that all the stuff in the woods that we found. Absolutely. Um, were you guys so. able to, save any of that i know that um that's actually i actually have about four bottles on my bookshelf right now that i've saved oh wow so yeah you know we're talking about you finding 
all of these artifacts, displaying them proudly. Um, I know there's one story in particular that our listeners are very excited for. So if you want to go ahead, Kate, and tell us your infamous dogman story, I think now's the, the perfect time. Yes, of course. So yeah, um, it was goodness, it was a, a while ago. Um, I was in the same house. I think I was maybe in my teens, um, and I was standing at our kitchen sink, which had a big window that looked out into our pasture. And there was trees scattered about the pasture, and it was a typical Washington day, gray outside, gloomy. Um, I was just standing there washing some dishes, and I got this urge to look up. And I just see this huge, this tall, dog-shaped, humanoid thing with a huge snout just race across my pasture it was just like there and gone and I with everything that had gone on I was just like well just add that to the list no idea what the heck that thing was but let's just mark that off again and I honestly didn't find out what I had seen until I went to a shop like seven years later and I was talking to one of the sales associates the cashier we got on the topic topic about supernatural and I told him about my sighting and he said, oh, my goodness, you saw Dogman. I was like, what? I saw who? <laughs> and he's like, Dogman. And he brought up a picture of it. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I saw. I had no idea it was an actual, like, thing that existed or, like, was out there. But it just truly baffled me. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible, too, that like you you didn't know about it. I think in our previous conversation, it was about five years in between your experience. Yeah, it was a it was a while. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I had kind of forgotten about it until we started talking about supernatural things. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this encounter that I just could never really pinpoint. Right. And I know from experience, too, it's really hard to track down those sightings unless you were just in the right circles. So mm-hmm. even then, yes. I've had to dig so deep to find KPN, Kitsap, Dogman sightings. Um, yeah. It's, it's really hard. And so, and I mean, the height the description it perfectly matches other reports within our now official dogman triangle and that's something that will never not be amazing to me <laughs> yeah. i know that that truly blows my mind at the triangle <laughs> yeah bex can you describe a little bit about this dogman triangle sure so through lots of one-on-one conversations uh the majority of them wanting to remain anonymous um mm. some deep internet diving i have found at least five dogman sightings in the last 20 years that all take place either on the Kitsap or Key Peninsulas. Um, Mm. The first one taking place around Indianola and Squamish. Uh, We have one in Bremerton. We have one in Gay Harbor. We have recently found to uh, have multiple in Vaughn, which is right off of the Key Peninsula. So Mm. altogether, it's more of a square now. (laughs) (laughs) We're excited about the new stories. Not super upset about the shape changing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go out far enough, it'll it'll turn into a triangle again at some point. We'll make a smiley face for all I care. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the dogman smiley face. Yes, but it's exciting nonetheless because I mean, to a T, all of y'all's like seven to eight feet tall. The eyes, the feelings that you get—it's all so parallel. Yeah. So it looks like we have one more really interesting story that I would love for you to share and it has something to do with UFOs. Yes, might as well just make it a full full of ghosts, like you said, cryptoid and UFO. Um covered all the (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Um so this is in this took place in Fox Island. Um and if anyone's familiar with Fox Island, it's on an island so you have to cross a bridge to get to it from Gig Harbor. Um, and one of my good friends from elementary school lived right across from that bridge. Uh, so I would go to her house all the time. I was, um, and I was at her house one night in particular, and she had a trampoline outside. It was in the summer. So we decided to go lay on her trampoline and look up at the stars. Um, all of a sudden we noticed one of the stars was kind of moving closer and it also had a purple light underneath it. 
and it wasn't making any noise and it just started getting closer and closer and closer and the closer it got it started forming shape and i don't know if you two are familiar with flight of the navigator very yeah very much (laughs) (laughs) yes there's that scene where it morphs into that sleek version of itself to go over the water um yeah so it looked exactly like that with this purple neon light on the bottom of it like i said made no sound and we just kept looking at it and started screaming and right as we screamed it just went and just shot straight up in the sky and we just went screaming our heads off inside and of course no one believed us but i will never forget that image and purple is is one of the lesser colors that are reported i know at least in our region uh, the majority of the colors I see are orange, green, yellow. Um, yeah. I don't think I've heard of too many purple lights Yeah, that's coming. true. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just stuck in my mind. Yeah, for sure. Can't forget that. Right. So obviously we're talking about a broad spectrum of, of activity, and it's one of the things that compels me uh, to, to, to speak with Beck so much and, and with her collecting the reports and stories. But, you know, I'm curious, Kayla, how, what do you make of the, this sort of your relationship with this strange place that you live in that continues to sort of give you a myriad of paranormal experiences? Um, I just want to get closer to it, honestly. Um, I want to open myself back up more and experience more and understand, I mean, understand the best I can and just explore more. I'm just curious um, and not scared, really. Um, we're just curious. Well, it's to... a really great message, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, if the only thing that comes from these experiences that any of us have is a quest to learn and explore more, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was raised that way too, to just, especially in this realm, I was blessed to have friends and family who are supportive and just like, yeah, d- if it happened, you know, dig deeper, just stay curious and know that you're validated and I'm like, cool. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, just curious and ready yeah. to learn more. was a great message. Uh, Kate, would you like, we have to go to a break. Would you like to stick around for the rest of the program with us while Bex recounts some more stories from the KPN and Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I would love that. Fantastic. Okay, we have to take a short break here on Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. I'm with Bex Atwood in the studio of KKNW. And we'll be, we'll be right back with more uh, high strangeness from the Pacific Northwest and beyond. If you'd like to join the conversation, you actually can give us a call, too. You can, you can add your voices, especially maybe you have a story from out there in the choppy waters of the sound. Call 888-298-5569. That's Night Drift with Jim Perry. deeper into the night. Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
From west of the Cascades to the rest of the world, lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. We are back here on Night Drift with Jim Perry and Bex Atwood. It's a daydream edition. Float on through with us as we continue to explore the unknown within the Pacific Northwest and parts beyond. And whether that dogman sighting is a triangle or a circle or a smiley face, you better believe that we're in the middle of it trying to see what else is going on there. We're also joined by Kate, who's a local resident who has had a myriad of paranormal experiences. We're going to get a little more from Kate soon. Before then, Bex is going to share some recent reports from the KPON and beyond. But first, if you want more of this program, you can find it on the Euphemet feed wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, of course, you can visit euphemet.com. And you can also follow us across social media at Euphemet and me at It's Jim Perry on Twitter and Instagram. And do you have a paranormal experience that has changed your life? That has inspired you to make a different decision that has impacted how you view the world? If so, I'd like to hear about it. You know, the majority of you from that features that we do now is it's listeners. It's people just like you that maybe for the first time are sharing these experiences with other people. You can share it with me at Jim at euphemet.com. I'm back here with Bex Atwood on the high strangeness of the Pacific Northwest. Bex is a mycologist, witch, and paranormal investigator who lives on the Key Peninsula in Washington State, a very spooky place we are learning through a series of episodes. She is a part of Liminal Earth, the website devoted to re-mythologizing our modern lives by way of collecting experiencer stories on an open-source map of the strange. Bex takes on some residential cases of high strangeness and experiments with all sorts of methods of divination. Oh my gosh, and I've been a part of some of those. They are fun and awe-inspiring. She routinely reports for this very program. Bex, this has been fun tonight. Absolutely. I am so happy and thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me. This is great to have somebody else in the studio. I think if I'm not... If I'm not wrong, Odie, this is the first time someone has joined us in the studio, correct? Yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up indeed. I well, thought so. It's an honor. Yeah, well, yeah, but you should you should be honored. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. We're back here. Uh, Bex, you have some reports of more, you know, sort of strangeness coming from this area. Of course, you collect these, and one of the places that you get these are, are, are people directly contacting you, but also the Liminal Earth website. Real briefly, can you explain a little bit what Liminal Earth is? Sure. Liminal Earth uh, started as a map of strangeness coming out of Seattle. Strangeness defined as paranormal, extraterrestrial, cryptoid, weird dreams, dogs shops. with shoes on. <laughs> it's the one I always like. Yes. Anything and everything that makes you say, oh, what? Or double take. We want it. Send it to <laughs> us. We're 100% crowdsourced. And we are now worldwide. And you're not judging people. No, we are here to believe you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the famous commercial. I sometimes describe the Liminal Earth Gang as sort of, uh, I mean, if I if if I'm to think of myself as some sort of, in if I'm included in this group in some way, it's almost as if you guys are the lone gunmen. <laughs> the lone gunmen yeah. who are included. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Let's hop in the van, everybody. Squeeze All right. them on in. So, so what's going on out there? All right. This is fresh, hot off the press. This past weekend's Beltane. If you celebrate, it is a time when the veil is just as thin as it is on Samhain or Halloween. So I had a few day ritual planned, and then I came across this report. And it kind of changed up my plans a little bit. Oh, my gosh. This beach right by my house, I go to almost every night. And I'm attempting to 
connect and build a relationship with the beings that are out there, my liminal locale, if you will. So I've um, investigated their live on TikTok and streaming platforms. I've, I've read tarot. I even let some roly-polies pick some cards. Um, <laughs> and they ended up saying that the ocean was really dirty. So <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, so, you know, up until this point, I've perceived this beach as like somewhere fun. I can hang out. I, I star watch almost every night. I beg the skies to show me a UFO. Right. It's not yet have happened. Mm. Um, but now... I have a I have a newfound <laughs> perspective on this beach that has me uh, maybe not wanting to go alone anymore. Oh my gosh, Wh- um, what what's happening there? All right, so the portion of the beach that I visit is actually a campground and it's private. Uh, a lot of our neighborhood residents visit. Uh, right next to it is Joemma Beach State Park, and it features a campground. Um, now I got to tell you, I would always feel eyes on me. I always just thought maybe it was uh, our notorious cougar population. Um, mm. They always are in the back of my mind. Um, but it might have been something a little more cryptoid in nature. Oh, my gosh. So this is coming to us from that very campground. It says, my wife and 10-year-old son just returned from a weekend Cub Scout trip out in Joemma Beach State Park on the Long Branch Peninsula in Puget Sound. That is the key peninsula. Early this morning, probably around 2 a.m., several of the scouts and their parents were awoken by a series of what they described as whoops. My wife described three whoops as being very close, and a short time later, maybe a few minutes, another series of whoops far away, as if the animal was moving away. Mm. She said it was unnerving, to the point where she wasn't going to leave the tent for the rest of the night. She described the sound as nothing she had ever heard before. Many of the parents and boys that heard the sounds were discussing it this morning, and the possibility that it was a Sasquatch did come up. (laughs) Okay, so those eyes in the tree line might um, potentially be something else. I think so. So, you know what? I was planning on having this whole ritual there, and I'm having to come up with the, the confidence to even get out of my vehicle. (laughs) <laughs> to leave the offering. Yeah. So so I go last night, and I'm driving up. And the whole time, I'm looking at the woods a little bit differently. <laughs> I'm seeing any sort of tree break, and I'm like, is that a, is that a formation? <laughs> uh, documenting it to check it out in the morning. I, I finish the pothole-filled drive, and I, I park the car. And then my lights turn off, and I realize just how dark it is, just oh how gosh. desolate it is, and I could feel the eyes. <laughs> wow. So I was going to have a bonfire. I was going to uh, do a whole ceremony. What I did do, I took off my flower crown. I threw it out the window. Mm-hmm. I lit an incense stick that I had created, so it's biodegradable. Yeah. I ran out of my car. I poked it in the ground in the center of the <laughs> flower crown. I threw some bread out there, and then I got back in my car, and I drove away. <laughs> <laughs> I did return this morning, and... um. Interesting thing. There was not one, but two hut formations made out of the driftwood. What? And I didn't see those last night. Um, I've seen those there before, but they are quickly knocked down. Mm. There are two that came up. Mm. Um, So I, I documented them quite extensively, but something that I did note, typically with these, you do have some sort of rancid stench that's left behind. Sure. All there were were beer bottles. So okay. We don't know. We don't know. Gotcha. But it was interesting because I left saying, I left this gift for you. Um, if you would like to reciprocate, let me know. And then these huts show up. Yeah. There could be a mundane explanation, but it feels pointed. Are you going to continue just sort of going back there and, and mustering up your courage again to stay longer? or? I think so. I think... I think I need to get out of my head a little bit. I mean, I let's break this down. Just yes, for a we gotta. All right. Um, and I and I want to ask Kate uh, yes. her, her her opinion of this as well. Um, uh, we are looking at an individual yourself, Bex, who is 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 going to a place to perform a, a magical ritual. Who is uh, not able to perform said magical ritual. 
because of a cryptid beast potentially interfering with, with, with said ritual and, and potentially your safety. What kind of great life do you live? That that's things that you consider and, and that, that that's a part of your, uh, your being. It's pretty great. It's a, a moment to reflect and to be grateful. <laughs> but it also, oh, it gets those, those wheels turning. I'm, I'm thinking, I, I don't even fully believe that Bigfoot is flesh and blood. What do I have to be afraid of? Right. Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> there is, would, I mean, what would happen right. if that ritual were to, I don't know, uh, charge a, a Bigfoot manifestation of some sort if, if those things are connected, in which... Perhaps they really are. They might be. I would say, be careful campers. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I think any camper from outside of the Pacific Northwest uh, always has that in the back of their head. They have images of Harry and the Hendersons and, and everything else. I mean, we are, you, you, can't, you can't drive two miles without seeing a Bigfoot sign outside of a uh, drive through coffee shop. Yep, Realty Office is the newest one. Yeah. Um, very proud that they chose the, the mascot. Yeah. Yeah, we can't separate the tropisms Mm-mm. of the strange from where we live in this place that we belong to. And it, 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 it can't help to imbue our own belief systems and or at least that little feeling, you know, in, in, you know, in the back of our head, you know, that feeling in our gut that goes, wait a minute, what really was that out there? <laughs> uh, when I hear twigs breaking... I'm on a hike or I'm camping. I feel so ridiculous sometimes because the first thing I I think of is not, oh, it's a cougar. Uh, It's an elk. It's a bear. No, I think, was that a Sasquatch? That's that's not your first thought. That is. Issues. (laughs) Yeah. If it's not, you you have some issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's probably true. Kate, you know, uh, after hearing... Bex's story about how, you know, the, the, this potentiality of, uh, uh, of Sasquatches uh, being sighted and experiences at this place really of, of, of ritual, you know, for her. What, what is your impression of that? And is there something that you can recommend to Bex considering that you've, you know, sort of lived in this, you know, sort of uh, swamp of the paranormal for so long and had to adjust and, and live properly through it? Um, well, I am pretty familiar with Joemma. I spent a lot of time out there in high school. Um, so I definitely understand there was always that weird feeling. Um, but at the same time, wasn't really doing things out there where my mind was okay. And mm. I probably just ignored it anyways. Yeah. Um, but there was, it's hard to say, especially with you're doing a ritual because I feel like you are respecting the land, you know, you're doing it with respect. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you're not doing ill intention. So I feel like you wouldn't get attacked or bombarded on. Um, I feel like you would be respected if you approach with respect. Um, That's what I was always taught. Uh, If you come in and you're rampaging and you're just not, you know, throwing things around and with ill intentions, no intention, then, then I'd say, yeah, you, probably should be scared and not and get in your car and go away but um uh other than that yeah yeah that, that's just all about intention and right and what you're doing right that's you know that's the advice i've been getting uh from fellow witches um if you're practicing out there there's just this nonverbal agreement with the rest of nature that you're okay got to worry and um, I'm trying to take that to heart but I was also raised by a mountain man so I know the, the natural <laughs> threats out there um, and then of course yeah, the, the key peninsula threats that are um, some of our really eccentric locals <laughs> yeah there is that I mean listen uh, some of the things that I'm scared of most out in the middle of the woods are not cryptids or creatures it's other human beings right drunk people <laughs> yeah and more Yes. So, uh, Bex, you know, uh, you know, I wish you luck in in securing the courage it requires to get back out there into your space. Uh, it sounds like it's a special uh, place for you, and uh, I'd love to see it at some point in time as well. 
what, so well, you have some more uh, things you've been following, some stories you've been tracking. What else is going on up there? Yeah, so I actually have, <coughs> excuse me, I have another Bigfoot report coming in directly from Key Center. It's somewhere that I drive to and from every single day. <laughs> the only grocery store around, so everyone who's anyone is there. Um, this takes place in the middle of the night. It says, hello. My husband was driving home last night on Key Peninsula Highway in Pierce County in Washington State. It is a very forested area that does eventually connect with the Olympic Rainforest. However, it is also a populated area. He witnessed a seven to eight foot creature walking from the side of the road into the forest. He stated it was not thin, as thick as a tree trunk. And even more puzzling is that he stated it was light gray or whitish in color and mm. very, very hairy. Mm. Now, Jim, one of my first ever Liminal Earth submissions was the time I saw White Bigfoot in Indiana. Mm. So this has the White Bigfoot have followed me. <laughs> is the only explanation. Oh, my gosh. And I am totally joking. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, White Bigfoot. White Bigfoot. Yeah, just, just what, was, what was your sighting in Indiana? <sighs> you know, it's crazy. The majority of these sightings that I'm finding happen when people are just driving home after dark. It's like 75% of sightings. Yeah. Um, and I was doing the exact same thing. Um, I was a teenager, and one of our main activities would be hot rodding through the back roads, listening to the latest Deathcore album. Sure. And so we're, we're raging. We're speeding. And we take this bend, and I see seven to eight foot tall, all white, hairy person. Hmm. And they were already halfway across the road. Uh, we swerved to miss them, and they turned back, looked at me, I looked at it, we met eyes, and then it disappeared into the forest. But I've always described it as, it always felt like an, like an elder Bigfoot. Hmm. It's very wise, and um, I remember there being a lot of silence after on that car ride. I don't think we ever truly discussed it, other than what was that. Um, but this road is just so notorious that it no longer surprises me. I've mm. experienced other things there. But White Bigfoot is something that you don't hear often. No. I've only heard of it in Indiana up until this report. And where do you know it's on? <laughs> it's 10 minutes from my house now. Sure. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, you don't hear about that. And I'm also just realizing right now that we never, that we don't talk enough about Bigfoot on the show. Well, we can fix that. We can, and we should. <laughs> We will. So I also understand that there's an additional Bigfoot sighting. And uh, maybe let's hop into that. Yes. So I actually wanted to talk to Kate about that photo you sent me. Sent Which me one? a picture of a potential Sasquatch footprint on Alder oh, Lake yeah. and a house of some sort. Yes, that little hut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's in, so the hut we stumbled upon, um, gosh, 2013, my dad and I were out there, because I used to live, my dad used to live out on Alder Lake, um, or we used to live out there, so we were spreading a good friend's ashes out that way that used to uh, live with us, and we were going through these waterfalls, and I kept getting this sense that something was watching us through the woods. Um, but my dad's very like gung-ho so I was following him and we were going down and I look in the center of the waterfalls and there's just this dome made out of branches and no human could get to it because there's raging rivers on either side so that was just very oh gosh. different yeah um and, yeah, and from and the then, photo Kate it, I mean it it certainly looks uh constructed it doesn't look yeah. like um natural mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It just, we went down to, and there's no one around. We were the only ones there. So it's not like it was a homeless person down there that created a hut. <laughs> and, and, and what size generally would, would you say it was sort of uh, in feet tall? It was, it's, you know, it was huge. It was pretty big. I mean, the doorway was probably well over seven feet or so. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty big dome. And I went back and it's gone now because it's a very popular falls, unfortunately. But there's a lot of sightings at the Marshall Falls in Eatonville. A lot of sightings. 
Right. And is that the same location that we got this footprint photo or is that somewhere? Yes. Yes, that is. Wow. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I printed out all of this stuff and I'm looking and I'm, I'm seeing your cute boots. (laughs) Yeah. And we just, we felt something watching us in the woods and we didn't stay long at all. Once I saw that, I was like, it's time to go. We need to leave because we went to the waterfalls prior to that. Cause I wanted to see if that dome was there. But again, I couldn't go further into the woods because I felt we were trespassing almost. Right. And I got to tell yeah. you, that feeling is very distinct. It is. And you're like, I, I, I don't have an explanation, but I have to honor this. And it's something that I experienced, you know, just a few days ago hiking in Bremerton. Um, there's a, a trail that a friend of the map was showing me and, and said, hey, I, I think there's a portal or something here. It's naturally blocked off by these fallen logs and um, it was very clear that the message was like, do not taint, do not touch, just continue walking. Um, I even wow. read a couple cards that uh, pretty much agreed with that. And oh so saying, you know, we're not saying you can't come, um, but you shouldn't. Wow. <laughs> it's the most beautiful part of the forest and uh, happy to leave it be for them. Yeah. Well, uh, Kate, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on Night Drift. Uh, You you know, don't be a stranger. Uh, Appreciate your reports and uh, everything that you've experienced uh, and your ability to share that. I think a lot of people will learn and uh, be able to, I don't know, find that opportunity to learn and grow from that mystery. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. had so much fun with you all. So glad to hear it. Thank you so much. And and Bex, where can people reach you, whether it's a Bigfoot report, a UFO sighting, or the like? Sure. I accept any and all reports to my email, bexintheliminal, that's B-E-X-I-N-T-H-E-L-I-M-I-N-A-L, at gmail.com. And that will be right in the show notes as well. Yes. (laughs) I was listening to too much Linda today, and she spells out her entire P.O. box. I'm like, man, I need to get, I need to get one of those. <laughs> oh wait, I already have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an email. Yeah, yeah. follow Bex, follow Euphemet at Euphemet wherever you are on social media. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Night Drift. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm Jim Perry, uh, broadcasting from Alternative Talk KKNW 1150 here in Seattle. Hear the show anytime on its podcast feed wherever you listen to them. Go to euphemet.com for more, and join us next Sunday which I guess will be me stumbling my way back home from my New York adventures. (laughs) Until then, keep looking up. with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.